return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. So uh, for just a minute, stand with me for a second, all right? Got your Bible, so let's lift it up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you were building a house, if you were building a house and you just uh, thought, you know, I want, I want to have a house and the contractors there. And uh, so the, you talk to contractors, hey, have you have you looked at the plans? Oh, no, we'll just kind of. We'll just kind of do it as we see fit. You know, we I, we got some two by fours here and some sheathing and stuff. Uh, it'll work out. Uh, how confident would you be of that contractor? What would you want to do? What would you want to do? Would you want to look at plans? What is the purpose of plans? You know, these are, these are some like plans rolled up here. Hey, you know why they called them blueprints? Because they were printed in blue. Years ago, of course, years ago, people actually had drafting tables and they wrote on tables. And so when you revise plans, it was a real big deal. Nowadays, it's... Pretty easy. Oh, you want to change it? Okay, doing the computer, click, click, done in five minutes, you know, or something. Real easy. But blueprints, okay? And, of course, we in life, we want to follow blueprints in the natural. There's blueprints for everything. You're going to build a car, better have a blueprint, right? You're going to build a plane, you better have a blueprint. My neighbor one time built a plane in his garage. And he had all these pieces, and I said, wow. You know, I mean, just, just like thousands of pieces out there. And then I said, is that going to fly someday? <laughs> yep, he said it is. So, of course, you don't want to end up having a blueprint for a plane and so forth and then have 48 pieces and a little motor left over over here like, hmm, I don't know where that went. But it's not a big deal. No, you follow everything to a, to a detail down to every little bolt and so forth. So uh, uh, that's how things work. And, of course, if things don't work, we're kind of upset about it, right? You ever, you ever have, buy something that doesn't work? You have an appliance that doesn't work, right? Well, what, I mean, if the fridge doesn't work, you could always call Larry. But, you know, Larry, you know, they're supposed, they're supposed to work, aren't they? You buy an appliance that's supposed to work for a number of years. And there's a blueprint. There's a schematic of that, how it works. And it's made that way. Now, it's interesting. We can get in our own lives and we think sometimes, you know, it really doesn't matter. I can just kind of do what I want. And people don't realize the Bible is a blueprint. It's a blueprint for our lives. It's a blueprint for how we should live our lives. Right? So, so you know, who are we to think we know so much? I know all about life. Yeah, we know, we know enough to hurt ourselves in life. 
But uh, we need a lot of help. And so if uh, we were assembling something the other day, something pretty basic, and then we thought, well, maybe we'll just go look at the plan. <laughs> you know, what does the plan say? Because we were kind of trying to figure something out. And then we thought, well, we had the, we had the manual there. So go look at the manual. The manual will tell you how to do something. Isn't that right? If you're joining us overseas, the same is for you. In any country, the same is for you. You, ha- you have things that you use and so forth that were all built on a blueprint. Uh, if you're from India, we're praying for your nation, too. We're praying for your nation. We're praying for your safety. We're praying that you will be well in Jesus' name. But we welcome you wherever you're joining us from. We just welcome you to the tabernacle in South Dakota. And hallelujah, it's warming up for us now, too. Hallelujah. So blueprints are a critical part of our lives. And how do you know if you made a mistake? Well, you go back and look at the blueprint. Turn to your neighbor and say, everybody's made mistakes. That's why, that's why, you know, when they started years ago, we have a space program now and so forth. But, but really, ask the, the NASA astronauts are still, it's all still considered experimental, you know. And flying planes was all experimental, like, how's it going to work, you know, and how fast is it going to go, and you hope it doesn't fall apart, you know, if you went mock speed or something. So it's all experimental, but people, there are mistakes that are made. Then you go back to the blueprint, right? And adjust the blueprint. But if you're living life, you know, just on the fly, then you're probably going to continue to have more accidents or more mistakes or more things that happen. And the question is, is, is of course, when something doesn't go according to plan, uh, then what do you do? You have choices to make. There was an interesting thing, a, a YouTube that's quite remarkable on a structural engineer named William Messier. And uh, he had built uh, remarkable buildings on the East Coast, Boston, New York, Dallas, big bank buildings and so forth like that. And William Messier, Messier was uh, an engineer for the Citicorp building, which is still a Citicorp tower, still in New York. It's 59 stories tall. And he was a structural engineer in working with this building. The building uh, was, was completed in 1977. And it was a year later, so this building is fully occupied now. And a year later, he's looking at, at the various things on wind speeds, and he's looking at various mechanics of the building, kind of reviewing it, and realized that they made a big flaw in the building. And the flaw was this, is that they had... Of course, all through the, the beams and so forth of the building, they bolted them but did not weld them. And because of that, it would cause the building to be structurally insufficient, especially they figured every 10, 15 years there's a big windstorm through New York and the building would actually collapse. And so William Messier, Messier realized, wow, this was a mistake and it was his mistake. It was his mistake as the building was being built. And so he had a choice. You know, I mean, I mean, for a lot of people, it's like, do I just say nothing and let it be? It'll be okay. Just say nothing. The other choice was commit suicide because of the gravity of his decision. Or the third choice is that he'd come clean. And William Messier, as he weighed all the options, decided, well, I'm going to tell the truth. And he came out and he told people that we have a flaw that we have to fix. And rather than being uh, uh, so disgraced and humiliated and so forth, he became in the hero status of structural engineers. Because he admitted his mistake 
And he is a model of integrity to this day as far as, as, far as uh, business engineering and things like that. You can see YouTube on, on this guy when he's talking in New York at MIT. It's called The 59-Story Crisis, A Lesson in Professional Behavior. He blew the whistle on himself, and rather than everybody just thinking, you, boy, you are a loser, everybody thought, wow, you did the right thing. Took them months, and they did it quietly in New York. Rather than everybody thinking, oh, this building's going to fall, they quietly went in and welded. It all took months, took millions of dollars, and they fixed the building so it's perfect. You know, sometimes, I think we all realize at times that we've, we're trying to do the best of our life. Maybe you're fo- trying to follow the blueprint, but you realize you've got a problem. And the best thing you could do, rather than hide it, you don't have to tell the world, but rather than hide it, is admit it and fix it. There's all kinds of things that everybody faces, including ministers. This last year, in 2020, there was a number of ministers in big churches in the United States who committed suicide. I'm talking about evangelical, born-again churches where the ministers committed suicide. Tragedy. Tragedy for their family. Tragedy for their church. Tragedy for people thinking, I had no idea. There are things that we face. Sometimes it could even be that I haven't got a bad doctor report, but I'm not going to tell anybody. What's the disgrace in having a bad doctor report? What's the alternative? Getting, Getting prayer and getting help and overcoming something, getting healing. Amen. Or even any problem that we're facing. So the, the thing is, hey, I can overcome this with the help of the Lord and maybe someone else standing with me Amen. by my side. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, everybody's got problems. And turn to them and say, even me. You know, folks, we live in a fallen world. We are in a fallen world. We have fallen bodies that age, okay? The aging process. And so since the fall of Adam, Adam's sin and so forth, therefore we're experiencing these things. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, when we look at things, we can get help. This building here, you know, you you cover things up. But if you took off the skin of buildings and you would see all kinds of stuff. You would see wiring, you know, conduit and pipes and things like that. And it's all done to, to uh, specifications, to standards, especially in America. Hallelujah. <laughs> a lot of standards here. You can go to a lot of places. There are no standards. Just run the wire over there, you know. People may not care if it's uh, protected or anything or grounded right or things like that. But with it, there are specs that if something goes wrong, you should know how to correct it. People might say, well, that's going to be expensive to correct, but better to correct it, amen, Amen. than to let it be. Sometimes we think, oh, it's not a big deal, but little deals can become big deals if we just let them be. There was a a hurricane in Florida, Hurricane Andrew, many years ago now, and in South Florida, and all these roofs just went flip, 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 just just flipped off like like throwing the top of a hat off of 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 a person. And people thought, why, why did that happen? Well, there's, there's a ba- there was a basic thing called a hurricane strap, 
which tied down the trusses to the wall so that it made it stronger, so that if lift with wind, it can't go up. Follow what I'm saying? And they realize, now, of course, you don't see any of that. So contractors would build a house for something that costs just just really, a, whatever, a dollar or so. And then to put it on, contractors thought, oh, we'll just leave it off and avoided it. And here came the hurricane and all these things went off and realized everybody, everybody skimped on the process. Actually, hurricane stra- uh, straps on this building. You know why they're there? Because I said, put them there. <laughs> I said, put them there. I want, I want it tied down so that it will stand a windstorm. Big roof. I want it tied down. It's actually, they're actually things you have ganging devices on your chair. Do you know why there's a ganging device in your chair? So your row will stay straight, although we like that, right? It was because of fire prevention. They were invented because of fires. Because if the chairs were loose and you were in a big building and everybody had to get out, the chairs would get pushed away and people would stack up. They couldn't get out. So ganging devices, little engineering thing, put on a chair to make them so the rows would stay intact so people could get out. They could go down the aisle and get out. You could skimp on it, but it's kind of important. Or, or the roof, you could think, uh, the roof, people don't know the insulation, but I blew a semi-load of insulation in this roof. And then we took every 40 feet, or we spaced it out, so say 35 feet or so, the sheetrock goes all the way to the ceiling. Nobody sees that. Why do they do it? Why do they do it? They do it because if a fire starts at that end of the building, it can't jump through the roof and, and go in this end of the building. So they have it for structural integrity. So that if a fire starts here, the, the sheetrock will block it from going to other parts of the building. Who's been, who's been out to the new stadium out here? Who's been in the inner workings of maybe the other the side where they have the press box? And if you walk up the hallway, you're going to see the I-beams and so forth all sprayed with crusty stuff. When did that start? When did that start? That started after 9-11. Because the I-beams within the towers melted. And so they started coating I-beams with fire retardant. In every building since then, so they couldn't melt. You know, a lot of things. Isn't that something? Life. Life. Little decisions that you make, though, will impact your future. Little things that you do as you, as you just keep your eyes on Jesus will impact your tomorrow. And something that you might think is insignificant, you think... Well, we don't need to have that cost out here. Let's avoid that. No, it's standard now. It's mandated. If, in case, if it ever would happen, right? The Bible gives us a blueprint. Jeremiah, you know, it says, I know the plans that I have for you. So God has plans. God is a planner. (laughs) Jeremiah 29. He is a planner. We love the Holy Spirit, but, uh, but I, Jeannie and I get these charismatic meetings and so forth. And ah, we're just going to follow the Holy Spirit. It's like, yeah, right. You'll crash and burn on Wednesday. If you don't have a plan, if you're not disciplined, your life will go awry. Why? Because we're humans. 
Because we live in a fallen world. We are not God. We need help. We need input into our lives. What does the word say? Let's go back to the blueprint. Oh, I should live this way. See, we, we live in this world, even in the Christian world. Christians act like, I can do whatever. I can shack up with that person. No problem whatsoever. I'm sorry. There's consequences. I'm sorry. You can't live any way you want. You can try. You can say, hey, I'm just fine. You can say that, but there are consequences in life. Sin has wages, right? It pays wages. The devil says, hey, I'm going to pay you a salary for that. Yeah, you just keep doing it. I'm going to mess up your life good. And so does righteousness. Has wages. To stand in the peace of God and the presence of God. See, so God has all these plans and, and the thoughts, plans that he has towards all of us. They're, they're not for bad. They're for good. Gives us a future and a hope. So we have to go and we have to, to put ourselves out there for his plans. Amen. Amen. To, to look at the blueprint. <laughs> I mean, our goal ultimately is we're coming through this life as a light for Jesus and we're going to heaven. In the meantime, we're going to influence other people. My plan isn't retirement, although that happens for people. I realize that. It's the closer there, you know, you realize that. However, that's not the ultimate plan is to live for Jesus. Amen. However old you are, Amen. Live, <clears throat> live for Jesus. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. Amen. People like the whole thing that uh, he'll give you the desires of your heart. God will give you the desires of your heart. What are the desires of your heart? Well, let's, let's back up. And get the horse in front of the cart. It's where it says, delight yourself in the Lord. So it's not, you can't just say, oh, he'll give you whatever you want. No, 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 no. You've got to delight yourself in the Lord. If I get myself in the presence of of God, then I I begin to have his heart. And all of a sudden, my desires can change in a good way. Hallelujah. For godly purposes, godly things to advance the kingdom of God. So first, first, delighting yourself in the Lord is kind of the huge thing. Then, of course, we have plans and hopes and dreams of ourselves. Yeah, God can direct us. Amen. But I, I say all the time for people, you know, when the Bible says in Proverbs 3, in all your ways acknowledge him, he'll direct your paths. What you have to bring him right into the center of your life. So bring, I, I'm talking about. You get up in the morning, bring him into the center. What do you have going on today? You might think, oh, I've got nothing going on. I might mow the lawn. No, bring him right in the center of that too. Everything you're doing, bring Jesus to the center. Maybe there's a neighbor to talk to. Maybe there's somebody to share with. Greg led some other people to the Lord. Jeannie led a lady to the Lord the other day. You know, just said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm really worried. Open door. 22 years old, she gives her life to Jesus. You know, all around us, folks, there's, there's things going around that, that we can help people. His plan is to use us, amen? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. It says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. So right after 1 Corinthians 13, when, when it's talking about love and all the things and so forth and, on that... Then we go into first, verse 14 that says, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Desiring 
Delight yourself in the Lord. Desire spiritual gifts. Desire to flow in the Spirit. Desire to be used of God. Desire to pray for people. Desire to share the gospel. Desire to think about heaven. We had a great message on heaven on Sunday night of the, of the conference. And, and uh, desired the fact that you want to influence people to go to heaven. Amen. It's not automatic. It, you have to, it's, a, it's a prepared place for prepared people. It doesn't like, ah, they were pretty nice. I'm sure they're there. Probably not. Probably not. It's not an accident. It's not an accident of living for Jesus Christ. You're transferring citizenship from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Boom! Turmoil. You're transferring it. You're leaving. Your former landowner, whatever, is not happy. And your new one is embracing you. It's a new life in Christ. It's powerful. Those are things that, that are significant. But we have plans. Amen? We have plans to fulfill those things. And Luke, Jesus said uh, to, to uh, Peter, he says, the plans of the devil are to sift you. Well, that's the plans of the devil. Jesus says, my plans is that your faith would not fail. Amen. Two plans, two kingdoms in operation. So the devil wanted to sift him, all right, cause havoc, bring depression and so forth because of his actions. Jesus said, I'm praying for you that your faith would not fail. Sometimes we think if we're a Christian, well, I'm immune from everything else. No, I'm still in the world. I, I have insurance. <laughs> Why do I have car insurance? Because I'm in the world. Or any other kind of insurance. Why? Because we're in a world. I've never had a claim on my house insurance. You know, I could have saved money for the last 40, 43 years. Home ownership. Oh, but I still do. Why? Because I'm in the world. Sometimes people think, well, if we're living this life just right, we'll never have a problem. That's not true. See, that's not true. And we get, we get people that, that proclaim these things that only bring guilt, condemnation, discouragement. doesn't bring life. That's why when Peter, after he did deny the Lord three times, and the devil was sifting him. You know, when you sift wheat, you're shaking it to separate the grain from the chaff, you're shaking it as violently as possible. And so when, when you do that, the devil's trying to shake him from his faith. We stopped. I was on the road with uh, Ray Phipps in India, South India. Ray and I and his wife and brother Alicia and so forth. And here was a rice plant. And so you see people on the road just with piles of rice and so forth. Now, this is a rice plant. It came in the trucks. And uh, we walked in. It was very noisy. It was dusty. And here was a giant machine, and this machine was vibrating. And I thought, whoa. I mean, that was that's a big machine, and vibrating and so forth, and, and doing the sifting process. And we bought, at that time for that Bible school, I bought a number of kilos of uh, rice, and they, they Lift up these big bags, 100-pound rice, and haul them out and stuff. I thought, I'm not lifting them. But the sifting for Peter was to separate him from his faith. You know, there's times, folks, we all get discouraged at times. Can we admit that? All right, can we admit that we get discouraged? But when I'm discouraged, what are we going to do? What did David do? He ran to the Lord. 
Psalm 37 and so forth, different things in the Bible. He exalted the Lord, you know. He, he blessed the Lord. He praised the Lord. You go back to the blueprints. I'm just going to stand in you, Father, in Jesus' name. You know, you could sit down and have a pity party, which will help nobody. Peter could have gone back and complained and so forth. And he didn't give me a fair chance. He didn't help me. He didn't pull the devil back from me. No, he didn't do that at all. He came to a place again in his faith to realize, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what's right. Come back and do what's right. Of course, he got filled with the Holy Ghost and he stands up in front of thousands now. Amen. Days later, days later, he's standing in front of thousands proclaiming the word of God with the help of the Holy Spirit. The devil, the devil is an accuser of the brother. He'll tell you, you're a loser. You're a louse. You're, you made all these mistakes. Don't listen to that. Tell him his future. You're going to go burn. You're going to burn the lake of fire. I'm going to go to heaven, you know. Just, just start, start speaking the things of the word of God over you. You're chosen. You're called. You're anointed. People say, I don't feel chosen. I don't feel called. Well, you are. I go back to the word. I go back to the book. And I, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weld that joint. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that's just set right there. Amen? Amen. First Corinthians three, verse 10 says, we build on the foundation. So Paul says, I laid a foundation and others are going to build on it. So, so another will build on it. Now, now let's just face it. If you're a parent at some point, you're going to leave. Really, you always hope that you die before your kids, right? Really, you don't want to bury your kids. That's hard for Betty. She's done that for two sons. And, uh, um, but you're leaving them something. You want to leave them a foundation to build on. What are they going to build on? What should be your character? How would mom and dad do this? What was your integrity? What did they see you do that would help them for their lives? Because if Jesus doesn't come back, they're going to be your age someday. You know, you know the story, the kids when you're, when you're young and so forth, and you get to a teenage year and dad doesn't know anything. Mom and dad, they don't know nothing. Boy, they're not plugged into nothing. It's always funny, you know, college students will come each year. We're going to do our own thing. And I, I've told students right in their face, you're not doing your own thing. You're doing what everybody's done for the last hundred years. It's just new to you. But it's not, it's not, it's not, oh, we're really cool and doing our own thing. No, no, it's not new at all. No new thing at all. You, I, we can tell people, oh, that's a rabbit trail. Oh, that's a dead end. Oh, that's not going to help you. Tell them straight up on that. So as a parent, though, you're trying to... Paul's saying, I've laid a foundation. Somebody's going to build on it. As a parent, you realize your kids are going to build where you're at. That old song, was it Cat Stevens? Going to be just like you, Dad. No, I'm going to be just like you. Your influence is huge. And you might think, oh, people aren't watching. People are always watching. People are always watching things you say, things you do. Will you be honest? Will you be honest? So, so we always say our ceiling should become your floor. You should be where we're at. Now take it farther. We're going to go on. We're going to go to heaven. Take it farther. 
And Paul says, by the grace of God given to me, I was a wise master builder. He followed a blueprint. He once was lost following the devil's blueprint, persecuting the church. Now he gets translated into the kingdom of light, starting to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. The very one who he's persecuting. Looks at a different blueprint and realizes, oh man, that was a junk heap. Throw that out. Bring the new in. And let's do it right. Let's, let's build it right. Let's, let's make sure we get it all nailed or put in the screws or welded all in the right places. Because see, sometimes we can look perfect on the other. Oh, these guys got everything together. Now, when I hear ministers talk like that, I always go, wow, that's a lie. That's right, or no, right away, it's a lie. That's not true for anybody. It's not true for anybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Not true for anybody, folks. Everybody. That's the hard thing. Sometimes you see ministries that can be so great, TV ministries and so forth, and they get so busy, busy, they don't have time to be in the Word, long forgot the blueprint, and now they're doing what? Raising money or doing something else to build their own kingdom. Why do we have blueprints? Why do we do what we do in this church? Why do we do the things? Why do why decades ago, Jeannie and I said, you know, let's have as as people came, let's have so and so preach on Sunday night. Well, let's have so and so teach this Bible study. Let's have so and so. And so where we started doing everything, stepping back and pretty soon someone else, someone else, someone else. Why do we do that? Why do we have a prayer line and then others come up and pray for them? Folks, I've been in. I've been in faith circles, like charismatic circles and so forth. And they've got all the faith. And there'll be a minister's meeting. And who prays for the people? Only the kingpin. Bless God, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm the man of God. I'll pray for him. And all these ministers, I've been in the meetings, and all these ministers just sitting there. And they're pastors and leaders. Not a one of them used. And he and I just roll our eyes. You know where they're at? Old Testament. Old Testament. They haven't read the blueprint. It's like, hello, you're in the New Testament. He anoints people. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the ministry. Every Pentecostal denomination is Old Testament. Without exception. The pastor is the king and the prince of the group has all the world, does everything. Why? Wrong blueprint. They're stuck in the Old Testament. They're reading the wrong things. I mean, people could say, people sometimes criticize or say, the Catholics, you know, they got, they sprinkle the incense of the holy water. And so what are they doing? They're following the Old Testament. And I can turn right around. And so are you. Because you're the only one who ministers. You're the only one who thinks you're good enough. And folks, let me just say, this is worldwide. This is in Africa. This is all over the place. They're all stuck in the Old Testament. Old Testament model. And you know why that is? It's because all their leaders, all their leaders laid that foundation. So someone, we did, looked at, wait a minute. Wrong blueprint. Get rid of that thing. Let's find the right blueprint. Blueprint. 
I hope you're all listening there. That is the truth. You go to the New Testament and you see how God used people. How God anointed people. It wasn't just the apostles. It trickled down to everybody, including like Philip, right? Different ones that were chosen out. Pretty soon they could say the meals on wheels. Yeah, and they're laying hands in the sick and signs and wonders are happening all over the place. Why do we do that? Because that's the blueprint. These signs shall follow them that believe in Mark chapter 16, right? They lay hands on the sick. They cast out devils. They do these things. When I'm in India, I'll take children. I've had children sit with me. They'll pull up a chair. We always know it's a long prayer time. They pull up a chair. All right, we're here to the rest of the night, you know. We pull up a chair. I'm here. Jeannie's down there. We have our interpreters. And so I did this. I had kids come over. Come over. I had kids come and stand by me. These are young kids. These are like, what, 12? Something like that. And then I said, now you, you put your hand on them too. And later they said, it was amazing that even the demons came out. Amen. Yeah. We think, we think it's almost like an American in the world. It's this professional Christianity and how it is and the man of God or the woman of God and... Like we were, we were in a place in Africa and, and the service is starting and I said, shouldn't we get in there? No, no, no. We don't go until after our time to be introduced. I said, I'm sitting there kind of, I want to go in there. Finally, it's like, okay. So we go in and we're in the worship service. Why do I want to be there? I want to worship. Why don't they want to be? They want to make an entourage. The man of God is here. So the service can begin. Wrong. 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 We finished the message. We prayed for people and so forth. And then I'm walking down. I'm going to walk. There's a lot of people there. I'm walking down. Someone grabbed me by the hand. Oh, no, no, you can't go that way. You have to go this way, out this door. And I said, thank you. I'm going this way. Amen. And they were shocked. They were shocked. Well, well, you're going to walk amongst the people? I said, absolutely. Amen. What would Jesus do? Amen. New Testament. What would Jesus do? He was always amongst the people. New Testament. A pastor tell me one time, wanted to wait and said, I don't want to get out there too early. I don't want to, you know, with people, I don't want to lose the anointing. I'm thinking, if that's that shallow, you need to get out of here, you know. If your anointing is that weak. That's why we do the things we do, because there's a blueprint. New Testament say, you know what? I'm going to follow what the New Testament says. It comes with risk, I understand that. It comes with the fact you may lose some prestige because everybody's not calling you. That's okay if my phone is silent. That's okay if other phones get busy and they're praying. That's okay. The point is ministering to the body. Amen? Isn't that the point? Isn't that what we want to do is advance the kingdom of God, not my kingdom? We're advancing his church, not our church. So there's reasons that we do what we do. It's not just because, oh, we're just different. No, we're biblical. We're biblical. We're following a blueprint. That's why we do it. You can say, oh, that's just how your church is. No, that's kind of how the New Testament is. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, that's kind of like how the New Testament is. Someone said one time, but your church speaks in tongues. I said, they sure do. Doesn't yours? It's in the Bible. 
It's in the Bible. Doesn't you speak in tongues? People are so defensive. Like, well, we don't want to have this too much. And pretty soon you got Pentecostals not praying in tongues, not singing in tongues, doing nothing. Someone said, I want to find a fire up church, but no tongues. Impossible. You can't find a fired up church with no tongues because that's the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism by fire. They're inseparable. You can have a contemporary church, okay. But if you're going to have fire, you've got to have the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we, we, we take heed how we build on the foundation. So foundation is laid in the Bible for us. Now we, we're careful how we lay, uh, build on it. Why? Because someone's going to come after you and I. Right? Be it your kids, be it other ministers in the church or so forth. Someone's going to come after us, so we want to build correctly on that foundation. It's because the foundation could be great, but then if you just throw whatever on it and it's not solid, then it's not solid. It's still going to crumble. Amen? Amen. Let me give one last reference. Okay, let's go to 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. That's study in the New Testament, the blueprints. Then it says here, The scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable. Okay, so I can build with this. I can do things. Now, notice what it says. It's for reproof. I I might need a little help here. It's for correction. Hey, made a mistake. Made a mistake. This last year, 2020, there were hundreds of prophecies. Prophecies about COVID. Prophecies about the election. Prophecies about all kinds of stuff. Now, let me just just hear me out here. The vast majority, 99% of the prophecies were wrong. How do we know they're wrong? Didn't happen. COVID didn't end when it did. This didn't happen. This didn't happen. What do you have to do as a Christian? Well, you judge that, right? It's called, you know, the scripture you look at is correction. Well, let's correct our course. There's a few people that stood up and said, I missed it. And you know what? You know what that did for me, for those people? Their, Their integrity just elevated in my mind. Oh, praise God. I'll listen to that guy. Because they came out and said, you know, I missed it. I was, I was wrong. Oh, boy, big deal in my eyes. Big deal in my eyes. Because you had all these others. Well, we really didn't miss it. That really didn't happen. And this didn't, they really didn't miss it. And it's like, are you kidding me? How foolish do you think people are? You're saying all these things and then it doesn't happen. It's like, a child can understand this. You know what I mean? You said this, didn't do it. How about, let's just say it didn't happen. Scripture comes, it's profitable. It reproves us, it corrects us. But we live in a world, no one wants correction, no one wants reproof. But William Seymour goes, or William Messier goes back to the blueprints and realizes, wow, corrected him on something, a flaw that he did, and he made it right. It corrected him. And rather than ignoring it, he came clean to say, you know, it's my fault, but we've got to fix it. And they did. Correction. Instruction. So that you and I can be mature, complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let's make it clear now. 
The blueprint helps us to live our lives. We all have made mistakes. We would be foolish to think that we'll never make another one. Amen? So we want to walk softly. We want to hang on to Jesus. We want to stay in his word. We want to be in the blueprint. Amen? And we want to finish life strong because others are going to follow you having watched your life and your integrity and they're going to build on that. They're going to build on it. Whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. They're going to be like your family's going to be like you. They're going to build on things that you did. And so we want to build wisely, like a master builder, the things of the Lord and follow the prints, blueprints. Amen? So let's lift our hands here a second. Father, thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. You gave us the Holy Spirit to help us, which indicates we really need it. We need it. And we accept your help. We embrace your help. We give you praise, Lord God, that you're in us. That you're strong in us. Hallelujah. And we thank you for your blessings, Lord. In this word, Lord. New Testament, Lord. Great, great blueprints for us to live by. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for this life of victory that you've given to us. (laughs) Lord, you are so wonderful. We celebrate your great goodness and thank you for giving us, Lord, a copy of your word, inspired word of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise for this day. We thank you for this victory in Jesus name. Amen. 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 The Bible is the only book that you can read. Where the author is present with you while you read it. So when you read the book, it's just like, ah, and what do you mean there? The disciples different times came back and said to Jesus, hey, what were you talking about there? Well, I was talking about the seed in the ground, the ground, you know, your heart, so forth. The Bible is the only book you can read with the author present while you read it. He helps us. Amen. So we bless you today in the name of Jesus. We bless those who've watched today in the name of Jesus. You're going to have an awesome day. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's stand up. Shake hands with somebody in Jesus' name. Come on out tonight. Amen. The service 630. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.